Play that pagan music, Skyclad. Worship the elements and play that pagan music till you suffer a mandolin malfunction. Our presenting sponsor is Disc. Oh, this is the Ross Noble podcast, by the way, where we uh, deconstruct music videos. And uh, my co-host is here, Mr. Ed Cavalier. Great to be here. Excited to hear what Disc has to offer for us oh, today. I, I, I jumped straight into it. I didn't even tell people what the podcast was because they've outdone themselves, I think, this time. Uh, like I say, our presenting sponsor is the Druid International Shopping Channel, the number one choice for both the committed pagan and... <laughs> The Weekend Wiccan. <laughs> Today's featured product has the practicality of medical apparatus with a touch of Hollywood glamour. <laughs> On cold winter nights, it can be easy to lose your voice, which can seriously hamper the power of your chant during a pagan ceremony. We've all mm. been there. Yes. We've all experienced the horror of trying to worship at the standing stones and finding it impossible to give voice to your religious intent. Well, fear not, (laughs) thanks to this week's product. Imagine a high-tech device with studio-quality audio playback mounted inside a small pottery icon of a powerful muscle-bound actor that could digitally worship for you. Your throat problems will be a thing of the past as we introduce to you the Channing Tatum Chanting Totem. (laughs) The small pottery muscle man will chant for up to three hours on a full charge, allowing you to rest your voice and concentrate just on swaying. While your voice is still strong, an external audio input allows you to record your own chants with the bonus free gift Order now and receive the magic microphone. And as a bonus promotion, Disc have informed me that they have teamed up with the Skyclad Mandolin Shop and they will be driving around your town or city in a DeLorean playing a mandolin out of the window to promote the launch of the new series of The Mandalorian. So... If you see the promotional vehicles traveling around, just ring in and just say, I saw the mandolin, Mandalorian, DeLorean, and you'll win a prize. There we go. They've been busy, haven't they? That's fantastic. A promotional Mandalorian. Righto. That's fantastic. Now, Mandalorian, uh, you were on the inside. You're friends with Taika Waititi. Now, come on. Now, I know you can't say nothing. I know you can't say nothing, Gov, but I know you know stuff. And I feel as though there's a chance you might be bobbing up in your in your mando. I'm feeling there might be some noble attached. I tell you what it is, right? I would love to say, and look, I can't say whether this was uh, inside information, but you know when British sitcoms used to go, they used to do a movie version, yeah. and they would do like uh, you know, like on the buses would holiday on the mm. buses, and they'd go, you know, are you being served in it? Are you being served? Yeah. All I'm saying is, I think that the Mandalorian. He needs to go on a package holiday to Spain, because <laughs> the thing is, the Star Wars is set in the seven. Is set in there. Uh, it's a long time ago. People always forget this, right? Yeah. People always forget that at the start. It says in a galaxy far, far away, mm. a long time ago in a galaxy yeah. far, far away, right? So Star Wars takes place like a long time ago. Yeah. So at some point, the Star Wars universe is going to catch up with. 
our timeline. Yes, because we're not seeing every day. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like we don't see every day in the Star Wars. We only see the important days. Exactly. So it's already a greatest hits clip. Yeah, and, and at some point, it's a galaxy far, far away, but surely the people of Star Wars universe must have developed some sort of vehicle that could travel through many galaxies to get to our... So all I'm saying is that mm-hmm. a Star Wars film set in the 1970s on Earth. <laughs> oh, it's hot. I mean... Where would you set it? Because I've been watching Adam Curtis's Can't Get You Out of My Head, the BBC six-hour, six-and-a-half-hour documentary. Oh, yeah. Oh, really good fun. Is it? Uh, you see, Rossi, I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of stock footage of just cities and places from time long time ago. Are you really? And the footage, oh, I can't get enough. Like the footage of Notting Hill from the 60s and 70s, you're looking at these houses, Rossi, and you're like, today, someone lives in that house, possibly an oligarch, yes. and that house there is worth eight million pounds, yes. and so is that one next door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're watching it in the 70s. They're a pound. Well, you can't give them away, yeah. and they're an absolute. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff is incredible. There's a there's a documentary you would like, uh, which I can't remember the name of. It was a TV series. Somebody will have to tweet us and tell us. And it was called, it was called something like the street. Maybe it was just called the street, and it was, uh, and they did one in Notting Hill where it was basically. They just went, they did the entire history of the street. I'd say I'd love that. And then talk to the people who were, you know, talk to the people who were yes. there at the time. So, yeah, that's, oh. what was the, uh, what was the other? Oh, I'll tell you what I'm watching at the moment. Big recommendation. Give us some. Have you seen uh, Abandoned Engineering? I've seen it. I've, I've clicked past it. Oh. I get sucked into Nazi megastructures every single time. And it's always a bunker and there's never, it never came to a, a hill of beans, as they yeah, say. Yeah. What is abandoned engineering? And I, it does sound like the type of thing I'm into. It's so good. It's, there's a lot, to be fair, there's a little bit of Nazi uh, megastructures um, crossover. <laughs> but uh, no, there's, there's uh, something that people aren't even expecting you to say. There's a little <laughs> bit of Nazi megastructures crossover. <laughs> Well, there's an excellent episode about the um, concrete fortifications on Guernsey. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Apparently, at um, uh, at one point during the war, uh, it was something like 40% of all concrete being sent to the front line was going to Guernsey. To Guernsey? I mean, it must be a concrete jungle, that Guernsey. Now, have you, is that where you go with your motorbikes? Is that because it's a tax? Is that also a tax haven, isn't it, your Guernsey? Uh, yeah, yeah, very much a tax haven. No, no, it's a bit, uh, I think it's more of a, that's too, it's just a pain in the arse to get to, isn't it, Guernsey? Is it? Yeah. Uh, which is probably why Hitler was, uh, was so interested in it as a, <laughs> as a tactical location. What's your favorite? What's your, what's the war that you're most okay with? Not your favorite, but what's the one that you know the most about or you sort of are interested in? Well, I was, I went to Afghanistan, didn't I? Hmm. I, uh, I, I went over there and, uh, I did read, I did read quite extensively about Afghanistan before I went and then went, well, oh, I probably shouldn't have read this. 
<laughs> I probably should have just. It's not like reading the Lonely Planet. Yeah, yeah this is not. Um, I shouldn't have blundered me way in. Uh, you know, I mean, WW2 is always. I mean, it's it's the it's your classic. Because you're it? a big vehicles guy. Yeah, I do like it. Because you're so into motorbikes and things with gears. I imagine I thought WW2 would be the high watermark for you. But but then there's some there's some amazing vehicles which I had a chance to drive while I was in the old Afghanistan. You know, like oh. what did you what did they let you ever go at? Oh my god. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. What your desert master, or what did yeah, you have? Yeah, a go yeah, at? yeah. The ones, the one, you know, the big, um, the one with the big suspension on it. Yeah. Uh, the, the mastiff. I drove one of them. Drove a mastiff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your got... idea, or did they go? <laughs> did they go, can Rossi? Oh, have, yeah, a, have a swing I, at the mastiff. I drove a tank which I was not allowed to drive. A tank. But, yeah, yeah. Well, because I used to own a tank, didn't I? No, I know that. Well, didn't you? Didn't you own an armored personnel carrier? Uh, the, yes, it was an armored personnel carrier. But guess what? what? Starting up one of them and starting up a tank it's pretty similar now, did you say that you had no. now I, I know you and I know that because I go back to your juggling anecdote that I love so much uh, I'm sure you've forgotten but I remember vividly go on righto so you're on a radio show this is many years ago in Australia and you were going on there with a, a, a quite serious host and so you'd said um, can Tony Martin come along just sort of act as a kind of, you know, like we're going to hang out and talk comedy. Oh, let me have someone else who's a comedian, which is absolutely the right thing to do, right? Right. You go on there and then the topic of juggling comes up and you say, oh, yes, that reminds me. I was doing a gig once and I noticed that there was a bloke sitting in the front row that had a little bag and I knew that they were juggling balls oh, in there. Oh, yes. And so then I decided, have I got you? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Can yeah. you do it? Can you tell? I love this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just slated jugglers and said. But without telling him, you just put it in your mind and then started slating jugglers or did yeah, you, yeah, yeah. No, you didn't acknowledge him yet, did you? Or you had acknowledged him? No, I think I said, uh, what is that bag? I bet you there's juggling balls in that. Yeah. You need to take a long hard look at yourself what kind of absolute loser <laughs> devotes their entire life to learning how to be an incredible juggler and you've actually got a little bag and I bet you it's got juggling <laughs> balls in it and you're carrying them around and you know and yeah it just went hell for leather knowing for a fact you would go well, go on then. And I just went and I said, like, juggling's like the easiest thing anyone can do. You know, it doesn't take any skill. It was all of that, you know, just going like you're a, like anyone that does it is a loser. And all you have to do is just watch somebody else juggling. You'll be able to do it. Yeah. And he threw the balls on stage. Because you, you could see his face going, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then he's finally gone, right, all right, then you have a yeah, go. Yeah, you have a go then. I took the juggling balls out and performed... Uh, I performed a Mills mess with an extra flourish on both sides. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't expecting that. That was a bit of fun. And the kicker was you you go, because then you get you go, what kind of loser would dedicate their life to learning juggling? Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bringing it full circle. So he's had a good time. Everyone's had a good time. The reason I remember it was because the host then said, well, why were you mean to him? And you and Tony both went at the same time, no. The joke is that the type of loser that would dedicate their life to juggling is me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. What was what was that show? It was a radio national show. Oh yeah. I you know what I like about them radio national shows? I like the fact that like you try and get it you try and get it rolling, you try and get a conversation mm. rolling. And you'll say something like, uh, I don't know, you'll kind of, you know, use the expression something like over a barrel. Mm. And you'll say, you'll just say the words, you'll just go like, uh, 
have you ever been over a barrel? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You just go like, and you think, that's that's uh, the sentence, uh, right? There's the sentence where uh, you go, right, we've opened the door to yeah, barrel chat. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. leaning over a barrel. We're yeah. running on top of a barrel organ. I'm dancing like a monkey on a barrel yeah, I've got organ. no money, so I have to wear one home. Exactly. Because I've, oh, I've lost all my possessions in a game oh, of chance. I love the old barrel cut with two the, straps. With the two straps. Yeah, with the two straps. I mean, I can't help think when I look at those straps, I think, how are they held on? I know. Just- I don't, don't. I do this. I go, is it the inner lining of the barrel, which is often metallic, that they've sort of squeezed up because it would already be in the right shape to go over oh, the shoulders? Yes. But whenever you see it, they're not. They're always elasticated. Do you drill into the, if it is, if it is elasticated, those grips wouldn't. No. They wouldn't hold the full no, weight. The, the no, they full. wouldn't because the barrel's real heavy. Yeah. yeah. So do, are you also holding the barrel up inside with your hands oh. and the elasticated straps are just there as a make weight or as a way of so that they definitely don't fall down the barrel? But do you see the hands though? Do you, do you ever see the hands when you see the guys wearing barrels? Oh, when the guy's <laughs> lost all his possessions, do you see him walking in with his hands inside or I thought they were outside the barrel? That's it. Sort of holding the, holding the top. You see, that's one of those things, right? You spend your whole life. You spend your whole life. We've all got it in our heads, haven't we? As soon as you see yeah. here's a guy, he's lost yeah. all his clothes, he's wearing a yeah. barrel. We all straight away, we all picture it, we all love it. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's an image that everybody loves. Yeah. Is the is the man yeah. with no clothes yeah. in the barrel? So, so question but, is, so Jay, our producer has just done mime of suspenders. He's right with the with the elasticated suspender, you know, yes. like over the shoulders. Right in your mind, there's two key questions for the yes. barrel wearer. Yes. How yeah. long is said barrel? Oh, right. So are you are you seeing that? Like, is the barrel because <laughs> you can wear it like for a man. For a man, obviously, it's only got to cover the yeah. downstairs area, hasn't it? Whereas for a lady, yeah. it's got to be right up to the armpits. Yes, that's right. But then, because a barrel sort of curves in at the top, doesn't it? A little bit, your traditional barrels. Oh, my God, it does. If you think about it. It does. Yeah. Welcome to the Ross and Ed's Cooper Chat. That's the, um, <laughs> you know, we should rename this podcast The Cooperage. It's, I, oh, I think, you know what? I think, I don't think there's a barrel based podcast. Wow. Well, there's 500,000 of them. Now, when you Google man wearing a barrel, you are going to have really gonna enjoy, say, Sorry, Rossi, yes. I'm going to say arms out of the barrel. Yeah. Because correct. it narrows at the top, but also at the bottom. So it's got to be yeah. wide enough at the bottom that the legs can move. Yes. And I think that the armpits go over the top of the barrel, yep. um, covering the breast area for both <laughs> man, men and women. Now, you're absolutely right. Your nipples are always covered in your, in your barrel. Yes. Now, it's got a real name. Go on. It's called a bankruptcy barrel. Hey! Primarily of the 20th century, used in cartoons and other media as a token of destitution. Not intended to be realistic. Well, yeah, we get it. It consists of a suit made of... <laughs> Made only of a wooden barrel held on by suspenders. <laughs> just, I cannot, it's always funny. Now, the last time it was seen in public, now you're going to love this. The last time it was seen in public. Go on. During Occupy Wall Street, they were worth a, a few blokes rocked up in the bankruptcy barrel. What? Occupy Wall Street. Wow. <laughs> Occupy Wall Street. It's, I've always thought it was, I just thought after the 1960s. 
mm-hmm. you would be uh, now here's a here's my next question on the bankruptcy barrel right so you've we've established the official what it the official look of it right yeah. now i would say obviously during the depression the bankruptcy barrel would be very much a derogueur you betcha so i would say that was the uh, that was the heyday of the bankruptcy barrel mm-hmm. but right 1950s, 1960s. Uh, well, I'll say 1950s. There would have been certainly post-war. There would have been uh, a lot of people um, on their uppers, so to speak. Yeah. But here's my next question, because question for you, Mister Cavalier. Please. Have you bought railway sleepers recently? No, I haven't, but I, I read about them a lot because my son's mad for trains at this point, and so I've been reading a lot about railway. Sleepers, and I had to really bone up because we went to a uh, a steam train for my birthday for some reason, <laughs> and um and uh, I had to really make sure I came prepared because he was dead keen to know why the about the tracks. Oh, I see. Right nowadays, I'm, would I be right in saying that with your steam trains, you're looking at more of a uh, you're looking at a hardwood sleeper yeah. with a gra- with a gravel Correct. with a gravel insert. Base, uh, yeah. Nowadays, I think we have we moved exclusively to concrete sleepers now. For the most part, yes. Yeah, I would have thought so. But, but then also you've got your mad electric trains in your Japan and so forth. Oh, the yeah, way bullet that they trains. Work. Yeah, you got no such thing. Well, no sleepers. No, they're not different because the tracks are sort of... Oh, because the train leans. So yeah, exactly. So, so you got... Yeah, right. Oh, yes. right. There's a little bit more giving them. Right. I'll tell you what, in 50 years' time, that'll be on <laughs> abandoned engineering. <gasps> Hang on. Give me something. Give me something from abandoned engineering. Let's go back to there. Give me something from abandoned engineering. Uh, well, just oh, sorry. Stop the clock just for a second, please. I was just going to say, a railway sleeper is very expensive now because oh, yeah. people want the rustic look for the gardens, right? So I'm saying mm-hmm. that perhaps back in the uh, perhaps back in the depression, barrels were they were lying around all over the place. Of course they were. There was no value in no. a barrel because everyone was using barrels. Yes. There, was no, there was no plastic containers. No. So you could pick up a knackered old barrel that was just lying in the street, whereas now... <laughs> knackered old barrel. I would argue, because people cut the barrels in half for um, for planters, you yeah. know? So uh, for that, I mean, to plant things, and I'm not suggesting they do it uh, to uh, to worship at the peanut makers. <laughs> Why'd you cut that barrel in half for planters? They, they insist I do it. Um, but, is that Peanut wearing a monocle? Is that that bloke? I think that's KP, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Whoever, I love that bloke. Yeah, Top hat and the yeah, monocle. Jaunty Lean. What a legend. Do you know what the name of the... Um, so here's... We might have talked about this before. You know that the... Um, uh, it's like that Mandela effect, you know? The fact that um, the fella on the Monopoly board... Yeah. ...doesn't wear a monocle. No. But everyone thinks he no, does. No, uh, yes, right, yes, yes, you're right. No, did he used to though? No, nope, never did. You got me. I had him down. Do you know morning. what he's called? Uh, Mister, Su- Mister. No, come on, Daddy. It's not Daddy Warbucks or something like that. Mister Moneybags, Rich Uncle Pennybags. Well done. So yes, yeah, so the point is, how much does a barrel go for nowadays? Well, and also because every bloody ad you see for booze, oh. everyone's always barrel side. Every whiskey oh. barrel. Remember that one? Remember that one? My favourite one, the Devil's Lettuce, not the Devil's Lettuce, the Devil's Breed or something, where they had imagery of a barrel being squeezed to get the extra whiskey out of the barrel. Oh yeah. Well, they call that the Angel Share, don't they? That's it, Angel Share. $479 wow! for a wine barrel. That's like 200 pounds. Yeah. So you're right. So you're looking at a 
couple of hundred pounds, nearly five hundred dollars. That ain't no, you know, outfit for a for a bankruptcy man. We should do Paris Fashion Week. We should make a comment on fashion by wearing bankruptcy barrels that cost ten grand each. We just nailed Paris Fashion Week. They would fall for that. Yeah. They're the dumbest people in the world. They would fall for that. Hundred percent. Next question is: uh, What is the uh, what is the modern day bankruptcy barrel? I would argue, <laughs> bin bag. <laughs> it's your bin bag, you it. but also, what's the other? When do you get the bin bag? When you've been rescued from the no? When you get rescued from the snow, you cop a foil. You cop foil, F- and, and also completion of a marathon. Yeah, marathon. Foil. Marathon. You cop foil. When do you get a bin bag? Oh, I know. When you're starting a marathon and it's raining and you don't want to carry a a, a raincoat. Ah, uh, like yeah. a jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There used to be a, a guy, a gymnast. What? At my gym that used to do insane exercises covered in bin bags because you sweat uh, more. And he had the yeah. tape around the bottom and everything. It was really good. Yeah. I mean, unless he just had, uh, he had, had his recycling in there and he was just... <laughs> He's all killed two, kill, kill two birds <laughs> with one stone. Uh, I have quite, and I don't recommend this. Please don't, uh, please don't encourage your children to play with um, with plastic bags. But I, um, I have lots of photographs of my eldest daughter when she was uh, a toddler. Where what I would do is I would. Uh, and it's sort of it's it's close to a bankruptcy bar- barrel. Uh, in the days where we used to have the um, you know the plastic bags at the, mm. at the supermarkets, I used to like to put two holes in the bottom of the bag, mm. and then I would put her in the bag, so mm-hmm. her legs would come out the bottom, yeah, gotcha. hey. and then I would put the the handles over her shoulders, mm-hmm. and she'd have a lovely bag dress. <laughs> Where would she go in her bag dress? Just around the house. I mean, I always observe her because you can't have a, you know, obviously children playing uh, with plastic bags. No, it's I know, I know. It was supervised dangerous. bag dressing. It was supervised. Yeah. And abandoned engineering. Give Sorry, me some yes. of things. In that, but I need to know what's been abandoned. Because, oh, uh, cause you know, I, I, I'm silly for an abandoned um, hotel slash thing i uh, you know the the footage of those i'm silly for that you know that have you been uh, online there's a lot of a uh, lot of very exciting uh, theme parks yeah no the theme parks are good i like the yeah. theme. i like i don't know why i like hotels as well there's a did you know there's a resort on christmas island that's abandoned is that, is that right there's a whole resort on christmas island which is abandoned i'm like why are we not shooting a horror film there today anyway hang on but isn't christmas island where they also have the um that's what i'm saying that's the irony of it there's an abandoned resort you're like well why don't you just fix it up and let people be there if you have to have them there wow so they've built the camp next to the yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Of course, Lawrence anyway. Lawrence Welk. He he had that uh, he had that song. Uh, How do you like to spend Christmas on Christmas Island? Do you remember that song? I do now. How do you like to spend Christmas on Christmas Island? You go, not really. Thanks, Lawrence. <laughs> it's a nice offer, but um, so abandoned uh, engineering. Now here's one, which because I know you're very. Uh, very strident on your views on this. Um, there was a prison that was uh, originally designed to be like a reform prison. It was like oh, yeah. meant to be the future of prisons. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love meant it. Meant to be fully love it. reforming, uh, you know, young men. Yeah. Anyway, it, it uh, they ran out of money, they ran out of funding, and uh, it became 
a regular prison and it actually ended up becoming kind of one of the most notorious horrible prisons in in the whole of the United States and it was due to be demolished and on the day that the bulldozers turned up to demolish it a film crew turned up the same day and went whoa you can't knock this down yeah we're filming here They've made, they made their film, which became known as the Shawshank Redemption. Get out of it. 100%. I wish the bulldozers had got there before the filming. <laughs> you don't like that film, do you? Mate. And now it's one of the biggest tourist attractions in the area, yep. purely yeah, because right. people want to s- that in. People no, no, see the Shawshank. In. They want to see where it was filmed. you got to have Do you, Are you able to climb through the tunnel? They've got to let people do a little bit of tunnel. You, go, you should be able to crawl through the tunnel. Oh, yeah, of course. You've got to have a tunnel experience. Or maybe uh, drink some beer on the roof. <laughs> it's nice. There is a town, uh, there's a town which, because um, what they do at the start of abandoned engineering is they go, a town that looks like it has been hit by a nuclear bomb, a strange white substance Ooh. across the whole town. Whoa. And then it cuts to uh, an engineering expert and then uh, it'll say, and they'll, every week they just go, it's a whole town. It looks like it's been hit by a bomb. Yeah. There's a strange white substance all over everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why? And you go, you know why, but this is it up for you. And then, and then it turns out that this town, it was a spa town, and they built the whole thing up, and then the waters rushed in. The whole town was underwater for 30 years, so everyone just had 24 hours to leave because of this flooding. One man decided to stay. He's got a shitty little house right on the edge of the flooding. And then slowly over time, the waters receded and it, and it left an entire, this was like a, you know, like a seaside resort. Yeah. And it left the entire town covered in salt, ah. but it's all still there, but they can't, nobody's going to no. clear the buildings or, or move back in because it might happen again. So you've just got, you can see like there's an old swimming pool. and I'm, I'm uh, sorry, but that's great. That's just great stuff. Band and engineering, you know, kudos to whoever come up with it as a as a concept. There's uh, there's some good ones. The, um, the sea forts, you know, in the um, mouth of the River Thames, you've got these... They're like, they look like oil rigs, but they were the WW2. The Germans used to fly across, yeah. and because of you know, back in those days, you'd pick a river, yeah. and the river That's would right. lead you up to London. Yeah. Um, and so they built these sea forts in the mouth of the river, yeah. uh, with massive guns mounted on them, yeah. so that the uh, so the Germans had to fly off to the side, and then they you know, Missed so they the would fly, yeah, and then yeah, it was yeah. harder to fight. Yeah. And they also did this. This wasn't on abandoned engineering, but the, what the British used to do as well was if there was a airstrip or a dock, they would build a replica of it, like a mile. Yeah, gotcha, got like a dummy. Yeah, like a dummy. So yeah, so there's um, there's still remnants in in the sort of British countryside of they did this thing where they would dig a small pond, and then put a light above the pond in exactly the same position ah, right as the, right so, yes. so it would look like a yes. dock, but it was a mile inland and no one was allowed anywhere yeah. near. And the Germans would come along and cause it was dark yeah. and they would go, Oh, there it is. And then they'd bomb the field. That's gr- Mate, that's just good. That's just, that's just up there for thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a great book here. Let's do it. There's a brilliant book called, uh, Churchill's wizards. Oh, yeah. 
That's the stuff. They had model makers and magicians. What? Uh, do, like, <laughs> Hang on, what? Why? I don't know why. <laughs> <What> they, <laughs> this is true. Making, were they making cities disappear? What were they doing? Yeah, they were. They were using. Uh, they were using. Jesus, uh, we've got it. Hang on, everyone, stop every clock we've got. There's your Ross Noble bloody movie. <laughs> you crossing over, getting the bloody standing ovation at Cannes. What? Churchill's wizards. Ross Noble writes it about this group that were part of the war effort. Yeah. It's impossible to not get funding for a film in Britain if it's about the war effort. And Ross Noble writes, oh, that's it. That's it. I'm calling someone. I've had this. The trouble is, right, there's- You're in Cumberbatch. (laughs) The trouble is it would have to be a serious movie about winning the war, whereas- my version of it, I just like the idea of these magicians in their top hats and capes, basically mm. as an elite unit fighting Hitler <laughs> with their with their magical skills. Sleight of hand. <laughs> sneaking in and like, you know, trap doors and all the rest of it. And there could be like a big uh, showdown at the end in a, a house specially rigged with... Oh, with like Home Alone. Yeah, but with, mag- you know... Have you seen that film Overlord? No. Oh, it's great. It's a what's that about? It's it's uh, like a, a group of guys who um, the Second World War go in there, commandos. They go into this uh, castle and then they discover all these crazy experiments that's going on. I can't believe you've not seen the Overlord. It's I need to do I a quick bit of. Um... Nicholas Cage information. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Now we do. Oh, we, we've done it again. I've, I promised we were going to do. We were going to do Shania, and we haven't. Anyway, join Jesus, us next time Jesus. for more Cooperage Corner. That's gonna. That's gonna be a thing now. Hang on, Overlord, two thousand and eighteen, with Wyatt Russell and other human beings, and it's. Um, yeah, no, this looks very Ross Noble. <laughs> <laughs> This is a very rough no idea. What does it say? Here we go. A small group of American soldiers find horror behind enemy lines on the eve of D-Day. That's all there is. Then there's a long long one, which I can't be asked about. I think it's J.G. Abrams produced it. Could be wrong. Oh, is it Abrams? Good. He's put his name on it. I think he's produced it. There's a thumbs up from Jay. Um, are you? Are we? If we're talking Nicolas Cage news, uh, I'm going to guess that you're, uh, because I listened... As you were listening to uh, extensive um, coverage of the Euros, I mm. listened to a, 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 a quite a long podcast with the co-director and producers of Pig. Where is that? Where, where, oh, what was the? Yeah. What was? Hang on, I'm into um, the. Whoa. Oh yes. Oh, where? Yeah. What feed? Whom? Oh, whom? Whom? Yes. Whom? Where? Um, there is a podcast uh, that Joe Dantier does. The movies that made us. Yeah, movies that made us. Oh, here it is. Yep, the movies that made us. Writer director Michael Sarnowski and writer producer Vanessa Block. That is us. Yep. Thank you very much. Movies that made us. Joe Dantier, big shout out there. It's also quite a good one. I I started listening to called Blockbuster, the story of James Cameron. Went on a bit of James Cameron, uh, bit of a deep dive this week. To be honest, I was. Yeah, uh, I love the pun there because he's mad for submarines. A deep dive. But so yeah. what's your, what, what did you come back at? What did you return to the surface with? I'd love to hear your your Cameron insight. What, what did you What did you emerge with? Uh, I watched the. He's done. You know the masterclass. Do you watch the masterclass? God, I love masterclass. I just finished. I just finished the uh, one with. Um, 
head of Disney, Bob Iger. Oh, yeah. Any good? Good good times. Oh, that's good. Good times. Excellent. Talking creative or is he talking business? Column A, column B. Right. But um, but just, just you know, it's nice to hear what the head of Disney thinks the world is, what, is, what, what the head of Disney thinks the world is, and when the head of Disney decided, well, hang on a sec, we're going to need to acquire a few things here, and the list they put together and the things that they've managed to get hold of. Yeah. For really good stuff. Oh, I'll put that on my list for sure. Yeah, that's a bit of fun. That is. I love. Yeah. I love a masterclass. Absolutely, masterclass, great. Yeah, and the, you'd be close. You'd be close. <laughs> not even. No, you, you. Not be, even juggling. No, yeah, yeah, of course. Driving tanks. Hang on, I've got a quick question about the tank driving. Just real quick, real quick. Cooperaging. Cooperaging. That's you too. Here, I've got a really quick, quick question. Go on. When you got into the tank, yes, because I imagine that the tough SAS people. And all those, you know, the tank guys, were they doing, were they snickering and yes. looking out over their goggles, you know, and saying like, let's let this silly comedian pretend that he knows it. And then you surprise them with a sweet knowledge of starting and moving said little tank. Bit, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Or you might have. That's great. What's all this then? You were giving it, what's all this then? A few gags and then before you know it, she's in gear and it's heading. And it's very hard to hear a commanding officer going, you can't drive that. You can't drive. Because all the rest, we were driving them on the, the bit, you know, where they actually – uh, in Camp Bastion, where they they'd have like a they've got like a shooting range, but they've also got like a an area where they teach people to drive. You yeah, know? right. Of course, yeah, and, uh, yeah. But the Mastiff was good because that had um, that had a night vision screen, oh, so yeah. you can drop the screen down and with all the cameras on the outside. You could drive it without looking. Oh, <laughs> oh and they've what? got this thing. You've got this brilliant thing, which. Um, which apparently saved so many lives, which I am now thinking I might try and buy because they've probably, if they've brought it back, I don't know whether they'd still be using it, but oh, they might be actually. But there's a machine, there's a giant, imagine an armored car okay. mounted on a huge gimbal. A car on a gimbal? Yeah, like a giant, so just yeah. the body of an armored car, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You get in. You strap yourself in, you're in your seatbelts, like four-point yeah. harness, right? And then yeah. they go, bang, bang. Like, I don't know if they say bang, but they go. Someone's <laughs> job is to yell bang. I've done that in my head. That's what Prince Harry, I think it's what Prince Harry's job was. In my, yell bang, please. <laughs> in my head, I, I was going bang, bang. And they were going like, like action or something. Anyway, there was an alarm goes, whoop, whoop, whoop. And the whole thing turns upside down. So you're oh sitting God. in your seatbelt, oh like suspended God. upside down yes. inside an armored car. The oh whole thing God. just completely turns upside down. And then they t- before it turns upside down, they tell you there's a correct way that you put your hand on a certain thing and then you release the strap. This apparently saved so many lives. This, this simulator thing saved so many lives because there was – Armored cars turning over, and there was yeah, guys getting like they would sit upside down, they take a seatbelt off, and they just fall, bang their heads. Yeah, yeah you, hit the you heads. have to yeah. be in a combat situation. Okay, this has happened. Foot goes here, arm goes here. You crawl through. Everyone had a technique, and it was uh, yeah, it was saving lives. And they've got a simulator for it, and um, it was uh, it's fun. I, I imagine Alan Partridge would like that. That's the type of thing he would describe. <laughs> Yeah, well, the line between me and Partridge is slowly, slowly blurring. Oh, mate, I tell you, I, I'm on another. I mean, I know I'm never not on a big Partridge thing, but I'm, I'm, 
Yeah, that's too. I'm getting it's too much. I might be it might be too much, bro. But I just can't. What's the kids' news? Oh yeah, two things. That film, Pig. I'm getting great reviews. Yeah, great box office. It's apparently killing it because you know how we said John Wick with a pig. Yes, that's what everyone's yeah. gone into it. John Wick with a pig. I was about to give you credit for that. You said it, and that's exactly what's being written. But but I don't think it is. From what I've heard, I've heard that people are expecting John Wick with a pig, but that's what they want you to think. But there's an extra. Always is. I've heard that it's uh, it's closer to leaving leaving Las Vegas. Uh, I'm just so keen. And there's I'm also so- some talk of um, the fact that Nicolas Cage, you know, he plays a guy that p- his truffle pig is stolen. Mm. He, he plays a, a he's a number one top rated celebrity chef mm. who has turned his back on that mm-hmm. world. That's right. And there's a lot of parallels between him turning his back on Hollywood and oh, going God. off on his own on his own path. I think the Melbourne Film Festival, they were talking about the Melbourne Film Festival going online. Yes. And if that was the case, then you should be able to buy a ticket to see, you know, like you can watch the films at the film festival. Yeah, right. Like online. No, 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 I got it. I got it. You're right. So is that what we're so- going to do? Yeah, no, yeah. I let, we'll look into that. I'm going to save my cage news for next time because we've run out of time. Okay. Um, I've got to go to the supermarket and then pick up my son. Fair enough. But we have, but no, no, please. So, but listen, we need, this is very important. Ross, yes. we're going to get this episode up quickly. Where can people go and see you live? Right. I'm going to be in Brisbane for the next couple of weeks. This is probably the last time for a while you'll be able to see me in Australia. So, yes, you can get on there. You can get uh, Brisbane Powerhouse. I'm doing like 14 shows there. Um, so that's all going to happen. And then uh, hopefully back in the UK in October. But, uh, yeah, if everyone is still alive yes. <laughs> by then. So that's also um, you can go on my YouTube channel and you can get uh, now all six episodes of Unnatural yep. History Show with me, Ross Noble, are now available Get on to them. The more people that watch them, the more chance I have of making more yes. nonsense. Now you've told me not to, but it's going to be a binge for me. Um, it so, is going to be yeah, a binge. A binge. I, I, you told me not to, but I don't. I, I don't know why. I just I got. I've developed a taste for uh, let's let's the entirety of this bad boy. So that'll be next week. So I do 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 what do one a week. Do, do know, one a do know, one a day. I'm watching me Adam Curtis, and it's they're an hour and forty five minutes long each. And I just, they're just, ma- they're just ma- six minutes, I know, six, but I six minute episodes. I know, I, know, I know I'm wrong. Nah, but I, know, I think you'd no, be, no, honestly, I know. do it at work. Just like, just before you go on Actually, air. You know what? Okay. Tomorrow morning, that's it. When Hughes banging on, when he's not banging on, I'll, uh, I'll watch, I'll watch you tomorrow morning. Just before, like before you go on air, just go like, I'll just have five minutes. <laughs> what for? They will say. So, uh, yeah, so because, all right, Ross Noble, get on board, get to the website, get yourself, see the great man in action in Brisbane and then wherever else he's allowed to be in front of folks. Indeed. All right. See you next time. I 